to kick things off, I have been thinking about South by Southwest a lot lately because for the first time in a couple of years, I'm not going, um, which the closer it gets, the more bummed I am. So if we were at South by Southwest, how would you introduce yourself? Well, in all honesty, I'm not going to South by Southwest this year, <laughs> and I but I have been to South by Southwest almost every year, um, probably since about the second or third year that it that it was ever even in existence. Uh, even when I was living in Los Angeles, I, I came here a couple of times. So um, how would I introduce myself? I would just introduce myself to people as uh, somebody who's been in the industry a long time and. You can call me an old fart or a sage, whichever one you want. But uh, I do have a lot of knowledge and I love to share the knowledge. What do you want to know? And I, my last few gigs at South by were as in their a program. They have this to mentor people where you sat in a room and actually basically had people come in and had five or 10 minutes with you. And then they get another one and another one and another one. You sat there for three or four hours and did that. And I, I liked that better than any panel I'd ever been on. This is Musicians Can Thrive, a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry. Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents, everyone across all niches. Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. Jeffrey Shulman has many decades of experience working in A&R, artist management, running his own labels, teaching, and being a mentor for musicians. From Texas to California and back to Texas, he's worked with artists at A&M Records, Island Records, and Arista Records. That's just the tip of the iceberg, too. I met him in 2015, right as I was graduating high school and I was considering going to school for music. We reconnected in 2018 when I took his DIY record industry class through the Austin Community College. In all honesty, that was the only class I took that spring semester. South by Southwest does an incredible student discount. I had recently recorded an EP So the class I took with Jeffrey gave me invaluable information and understanding about what it means to be an indie musician. But the initial motivation to enroll in that class was that being a student for that semester enabled me to attend South by Southwest in 2018. Since 1999, Jeffrey's been the department chair of the Music Business, Performance, and Technology program at ACC. At the time of this interview, he was wrapping up his final semester teaching and very excited for his move to Colorado. I think it's a great learning experience for people that you can make acquaintance with, make the acquaintance with a lot of people, um, people you'd never know, people from all over the world. Uh, I'd just say go mingle. And uh, if you need my help, I will. I will help introduce you to people I've met. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. So this mentoring that you did, I'm assuming it was just for musicians. And if they had a question, you were sort of an expert that they could come to. Well, it's actually, it wasn't just musicians, although I have to say probably 75, 80% of them were musicians, but it was also people who had ideas for, uh, things like oh, podcasts and uh, want to be managers or promote shows, um, open a studio. Uh, it was just about, it ran the gamut, but most of them were musicians. Or at least in the music industry, it sounds like. All of them were in the music industry. Yeah. It was a hundred percent music industry oriented. It, uh, you know, South by now music is not the, largest thing there music's a part of everything which is kind of interesting um but music is actually probably the third largest thing now out of three so the you know the interactive digital revolution stuff is number one and the film stuff is number two and music is now in third place as far as number of attendees i believe wow i didn't actually know that but yeah but music's a part of all of that so you know that i guess that makes us really important too, you know, in the public's eye. I hope so. 
<laughs> I would say that South by Southwest is by far my favorite music festival in the world. So even if the music is the smallest portion of it, I'd say it's still pretty important. Oh, it is very important. I mean, if you go to, a, a, you know, some of the uh, offsite, uh, I guess you call them parties or gatherings for film companies or interactive companies, you're going to hear music and there's going to be a live, live music there, a DJ or something is going to be going on. Yeah, it's fantastic. You hear music everywhere you go. Sorry, I'd say ubiquitous would be the word. <laughs> That's a wonderful word. So speaking of music, I'm pretty sure I've heard this story before, but just for the sake of people listening to this podcast who are new to you, what first kind of piqued your music? Sorry, I can't talk this morning. <laughs> what piqued your interest some coffee. in music? I've only had one cup. Obviously, it was not enough. <laughs> well, I just had an espresso, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, what piqued my interest in music? Yes. In the beginning? Or just throughout the history of your life. You can start yeah. wherever you'd like. Yeah, so I, I would like to think that uh, music is an inherent part of all humanity of all of our, in all of our lives. And I think there'll be some people that would go, you're, you're freaking crazy, man. But I disagree. I think that human is the most, the human experience is all about music and music has existed since, since we've been on earth. And um, so I don't think we have to have anything pique our interest because it's just something inside of us. What made me explore it was the fact that uh, I love music. And my brother and I started singing songs uh, together uh, when we were probably preteen, you know, maybe eight, 10 years old and uh, stayed loving music, uh, played saxophone. He went to music school to be the next great jazz saxophone player, found out I better not do that. I better think of something else. So uh I made a pledge uh, eventually, soon thereafter, when I knew I wasn't going to make it as a musician, um, that I would do everything I can to support live music and help musicians. And that grew into my career in the music industry, where to this day, my goal is, since I envy people who make music and adore the music that, that so many of them make, that uh, I got to make life great for them and help them through the terror that they're about to experience. Well, on behalf of all musicians, thank you. <laughs> Someone well, like you is... a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this musician I interviewed a few weeks ago, and he shared this interesting kind of concept with me. Um, I was describing to him my journey in my own music and my own kind of understanding of what kind of life I wanted to live and how music factored into that. And he described something called the hopes and dreams phase. And he basically said that I had moved through my own hopes and dreams phase of wanting to be some internationally touring, sold out musician, um, and instead found something that was more aligned to what kind of life I actually wanted to live, but still involving music. Would you say that that kind of resonates with you in your own experience of wanting to be a incredible saxophone player and then finding, you know, maybe there's a better way for me to be a part of the music industry? Yeah, I'm a big believer in uh, the fact that each of us has our own path and we, we just follow that path, but it, it can change. Um, I'm also a believer in dreams, and I, I don't think anybody ever gets out of the hopes and dreams phase. In fact, when I found out I wasn't going to be a saxophone player, I went to film school. And uh, I wrote a screenplay that, of course, never got produced, but I got a good grade. And uh, in this, it was about these uh, two travelers who rode the rails around the country. And uh, one of them was getting dejected, and the other one was not. He was He was the guy that was talking about the brilliant future that lies ahead. And uh, one of the lines in there, I never forget, I, forget, I don't even know where that script is anymore, but I, know, I remember one of the lines clearly is um, they were having a discussion and, and, and the one who was the positive figure said, uh, if you don't have dreams, you ain't shit, man. You just ain't shit without your dreams. And I think I still believe that. Uh, so don't, don't think you're out of the hopes and dreams thing because you ain't shit without dreams, girl. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree with you there. At some point, we need something to keep us going. Absolutely. And also keep us creative and don't don't stand for the status quo. Yeah. So with that, at some point, musicians or just someone who wants to be a part of the music industry, if we want to build a life out of that, if we want to make a career out of that, there is some level of reality that has to coexist with the dreams. So do you have any thoughts on how someone could go about finding that, you know, say someone wants to be really famous, like the next Mick Jagger or something. I mean, that's pretty rare, but they could definitely make a good living as a musician. So how do people find the balance? Yeah. Sorry about that. Ring there. So, um, I first of all would say reality sucks, and the truth is that uh, I, I believe that uh, the especially today um, the chances of making it big are much much lower than they were years ago, simply because of the number of people making music and the way music is delivered these days, and the amount of money that that doesn't go up into the artist's pockets. Though I think I'm, I'm a tortured optimist, so I think that's going to change and hopefully it will get better. Um, I know the record labels are doing really well right now. Their year over year profits are almost <laughs> at record levels. Um, but the art, it's not trickling down to the artists yet. And uh, it will. I really believe that. Um, I don't know what else to say about that, except, uh, yeah, you have to have a day job until you don't need that day job. And that's the reality of it. I know a lot of artists are in uh, multiple bands. They, if they're not solo artists, they're, you know, I mean, especially here in Austin. Uh, if you ask what somebody what band they're in, they'll go, what day of the week? You know, which <laughs> which night? You know, let me think. Yeah, I play drums for a country artist for money and we tour around a little bit and, but I'm really a a punk rock guy and I'm a DJ on Sundays. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they have multiple skills and they apply those skills. And that's the reality is you just do that until it beats delivering pizza. If you can do that, but Hey, what's wrong with the delivering pizza? If that's letting you afford the luxury of being the musician and having a shot at that, that great concept of, gee, I can make a living at this. The benefits of letting a day job help support the financial needs of your music and your lifestyle is a subject that's come up several times before in previous Musicians Can Thrive episodes. Having multiple skill sets, whether there are things that you can do to help other musicians, or maybe it's in a field that isn't directly related to music, exponentially increases your ability to succeed. Whatever success means to you, having something else to help you make money can help you be more resilient when there are periods that you're not making significant income from your music. And it can also help enhance your creativity in an unexpected way. For example, I'm a songwriter who started writing blog articles as a freelancer. Never in a million years would I have thought that marketing was something I would enjoy or be passionate about. But here I am, two years later, And I spend much more time as a marketer than a singer-songwriter. That's my choice. I realized that the career I wanted to build actually wasn't the career of a songwriter. So I put most of my time towards marketing work. But if I wanted to, I could put more time towards songwriting and building that career, and my marketing skills would still be useful to me. I could use them to market my own music, or to help other musicians as part of a cooperative. I've heard you wax poetic before about the massive opportunities available to musicians today. I'm wondering if you would share some of your favorite parts of that. Well, I just think you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit if you want to be a musician. And I I think most of them do anyway. And um, I don't look at, think you should look at the past. I think you should look at the future. And, um, I just always tell musicians that don't be afraid to do things that that you would would not think would be the ordinary thing a musician would do. So somebody says, do you want to sing on a commercial? Uh, Again, I think that beats 
you know, working in a clothing store in a mall or something like that, or delivering for UPS. Those are great jobs, I guess. But um, if you want to only do music, why not sing for a commercial? Why not compose music for video games, films, even indie films um, that can't pay you yet? Because, you know, hey, they probably aren't making any money and that gives you a credit. So there is it's like going to school. You know, it's something you do for your um, portfolio and somebody might end up paying you because of that. Um there's always writing songs for anybody and anything. There's sound design, which is anything that you hear sound from the when you turn a computer on or when your phone rings, you know, the ringtones and uh, anything in any media. There's uh, all the live sound stuff that people don't even think about. Live sound is a, is a real job. It's one of the best paying jobs um, for our graduates here at, at, in our uh, program. Uh, so there's just, there's so many things you can do and people just don't think of it. They just go, no, I just play music. I want to write songs. I want to get on a stage. I don't want to tour. Well, how about tech? If you're, if you're a guitar player, how about learning a lot about guitars and learning how to solder and being, it's going out on the road with people as a tech or a sound engineer, or a lighting person, you know, learn those skills. And a lot of musicians do that. So it sounds like if you're creative and flexible, there's no shortage of ways to make money. Well, yeah, I think so. And uh, and again, I don't think any, there's anything wrong with, you know, doing a regular job as long as you are able to still pursue your dreams as a musician or just being in the music business. And yeah. at some point, your goal is to not have to have that other job anymore. Um, but, you know, people, you know, it's like going to college. Um People have day jobs and most of our students are have day jobs because you know, we're a community college and most of our students have to work. Their parents help them out sometimes and sometimes they don't. They have jobs. It's not that their career is that job, but that allows them to go to school and do what they do in the music stuff. Yeah, I think one of the most helpful things I've learned over the past few years is that what I do to make money to support my dreams and make them happen doesn't have to be my career or define who I am. Because for a long time, I had a lot of people kind of telling me that. And it really, it put a lot of pressure on the music to the point where it was, okay, so if I'm not making money off the music, either I'm not a quote, real musician or B, I'm miserable working a job that is my, quote, career that isn't music and I don't want to be doing. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a matter of viewpoint. So, yeah, it's a shitty job. But you know what? If you didn't have that shitty job, you wouldn't be able to do what you do musically. So that makes it a whole lot better when you go, well, this is just something to support my music stuff. Absolutely. And it's a way to look at it. I mean, it's the only way you can really look at it. People do that in every, I'd be willing to bet in almost every industry where, you know, you're trying to find the right thing. I mean, shit, I worked in a record store for eight years before I got to, to, uh, you know, work at the first record label I ever worked at. And that's when you ever worked in a record store, especially one in a mall, you know, that's not a fun job. (laughs) (laughs) It can be, but it's, you know, not really. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely found that once I shifted my mindset to, say okay this is what's supporting the music doesn't define me that made everything a lot easier and it also put less pressure on the music to make money off of it right away Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the proper attitude well thank you (laughs) i didn't get (laughs) there by myself (laughs) (laughs) well you're an intelligent human being i i've come to know this well i very much appreciate you saying that If you like hearing stories about different paths that musicians are taking to build a life where they can thrive, it would mean the world if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe anywhere you prefer to listen to your podcasts, and you'll get the next episode ready to listen as soon as it's released. Over the years, I've had some conversations with musicians, and as I started doing this podcast, I started having some more specific conversations with musicians about money and making money 
from their art, from their music. And there's definitely a group of people who are uncomfortable with the idea of, call it, soiling their art or whatever, but they don't like having that kind of salesy aspect involved with their music. And at the end of the day, it's a necessary evil of sorts, because if you want to really take your music career to the next level, you need to make money off of it. So for people who struggle with that and who have a hard time bringing the money part into the making art part, how would you sort of, I guess just what are your thoughts on that? Cause it's something oh, I that got I think plenty on that. <laughs> <laughs> so go well, for it. <laughs> the first thing I say is get over it. <laughs> if you don't think money's important, then I hope you like living in the, on the streets and not eating and, uh, I, I just think that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, that's like saying I want to be a, I want to be the best um, chef, but I don't want to be paid for it. You know, uh, culinary arts are huge. I mean, you, you you lived in Houston, in Austin. I mean, restaurants here are huge. That's like they're the new rock stars in a sense. The, the great chefs in Austin, and uh, just saying, you know, you know, get over it, man. You got to make money. You know, you have to be. A, you don't. You want to be a giver not a taker. And the only way to do that is to create revenue streams by your music. And what's, what's wrong with that? And I'm not saying be selfish. I don't, I used to make a whole lot more money than I make now, but I happen to be when I worked in the record labels, the record labels in Los Angeles, but I'm way happier now. <laughs> I don't really like what I do now much better than anything I ever did at a record label. And uh, I found that the money isn't exactly what it's cracked up to be. So you don't want to, you don't have to get rich, but you have to carry your own weight, you know, pay the rent, put food on the table, buy new clothing when you need it. And I'll say for musicians, buy that gear. You need a new synth or uh, you need a laptop to create your, you know, you need Ableton uh, mm -hmm. or Pro Tools or you need microphones or whatever. Um, it's it all costs money and you have to generate income to do that. So what's wrong with that? You know, exactly. you can't somebody's going to have to do it. You think somebody else should do that for you? Cause another rule that I like to tell people is, well, at least if you ask me, I'm not willing to do for you what you're not willing to do for yourself. Um, so if you don't want to do shameless self promotion, which is not really a bad concept, um, I'm not going to help you. I can't help you. Uh, no one's better than you at telling how great you are, but you just have to have a little humility with that. You know, you know, forget the hubris part. Use you, you know, speak of your your talents, but speak with humility. Mm. I think you really hit it on the head there, especially with the humility part, because you don't want to overinflate yourself. Well, you can't. I mean, you should. Well, you can easily, but you shouldn't. You're absolutely. That's correct. I I think that just turns people off. <laughs> yeah, that fine balance between promoting yourself, being a approachable human being, and also not being afraid of owning how good you are and being. I think one that. of my favorite examples of that is Prince. I just think that guy. He was so good at shameless self promotion. And, but he was also like this, you know, hard to approach guy. Um, and damn, he's a good bit. He was a great businessman. He knew how to run a business. And uh, but I just I mean, wow, was he also he was also just what a, what a talent. I mean, the guy was just oozing creativity. So he's a great example of that to me. Someone who knew that line, how to say I'm great, but say, but yeah, ain't that great. But I'm great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely was an incredible artist. And oh yeah, what when you say he was a great businessman, is there something he did that really stands out to you as an example of that? Yeah, he uh, a couple of things. First of all, he recognized others' talents, and he uh, he always found the best musicians to play with. And he, uh, he was very instrumental in putting together a great scene up in Minneapolis when he was, uh, you know, in, even early in his career. Um, but I loved when he 
uh, got pissed off at his record label and said, I'm not Prince anymore. I'm, you know, that's not me. And he said, you know, here's who I am. It was that weird symbol. And that was a, you know, that was him being kind of a piss ant, but it was also a, a, he wandered out of a contract. And if he's not that person anymore, it's hard to renew that contract with that entity. And once he finally got out of his contract with that record label, he said, by the way, I'm still Prince. I just, <laughs> that's sorry, I'm still Prince. <laughs> and I just think that's cool. I love that. Uh, I just thought that was a brilliant move. And by the way, if you, infringed on his rights in any way he had a team of lawyers that would bust you really fast so use illegal use of his music on the internet he probably his team of attorneys is probably one of the most <laughs> efficient at finding people and uh tell them what's going to happen to them if they don't cease and desist the use of prince's music or his image wow so he's clever smart doesn't take any bullshit and a brilliant musician. Yeah. Unfortunately he made a big mistake and took the wrong pills, but uh, that was a terrible loss. I, I'm, I'm a huge Prince fan. Yeah, that is too bad. Especially how many musicians go that way. Uh, it seems to go with the job. I mean, you know, the whole joke about the 27 club and all that, which isn't really a joke. It's sort of a weird phenomenon. But um, it's a terrible business. And let's face it, sometimes the inspiration that a great artist gets comes from the demons inside of them. And sometimes the demons win. Yeah, that's definitely one of the parts of being a musician that I struggled with, because granted, not every musician is going to end up that way. But if you take yourself down the path of touring consistently to make your income being on a stage, being in the spotlight, being a persona, and especially as social media comes into the picture and really blurs that line of separation between what is personal and what is public. I, I really feel for those musicians because it just seems well, so too. hard. It's a very difficult life. That is an extremely difficult life. And as much as I like to pride myself on being, you know, strong and all that, you know, and I can take it what because I've been in the music business. So honestly, if I was a musician and sliced my chest open and said, here's my heart stomp on it like a musician does. I, I just don't think I would be a very happy person. And so it's probably better that I was not going to be the world's next great jazz saxophone player. <laughs> Just saying. I I hear you. That is exactly how I feel about not being the next great Stevie Nicks or something. Yeah, and that's why I have to, you know, you got to protect those guys uh, because, you know, there's, you just do. You just do. I mean, I, I love great art and artists are special people. They have a gift that they give to us and uh, we owe it to them to give them the space to breathe and, and create. I have started hearing some rather frightening stories about the bad side of the music industry with working with labels and people who really just jerk musicians around and toss them to the curb. And I've definitely, in the time that I've known you, known that you are one of the rare protectors and people who really stands up for the artist and takes care of them. So in your time working at various record labels, how did that shape your perspective on the music business? Well, first of all, I didn't work for any of those labels like that, but uh, you're looking at... Uh, it's just a, I think that's just the nature of business in general. When you get uh, get into an area where you're working with humanity, um, think of big pharma. <laughs> mm. But in the music business, I just didn't work for any of the labels that I didn't like. Um, I quit a couple of times working with people because I thought they were. Uh, I'll try not to name names here, but. Um, <laughs> Um, my business partner and I had a production company and we got hundreds of thousands of dollars from a record label to sort of like be a, an A&R source for them. And uh, they wanted to sign one of our artists, but they wanted to do the deal they were offering was 
what in those days we call the demo deal, which I thought was like, you know, an insult. And uh, we ended our deal over that. And we bluff a lot of money on principle. And some people thought we were stupid going, how could you blow off all that money on something like this? And we were like, we don't want to do that. We're, we're not the bad guys and we can't be associated with the bad guys and no harm, no foul to the record label. Cause honestly, most of the people that work at those record labels are just like you and I, they're, they're or me, they're, they're, they're great. They're wonderful people. It's just, you know, they have to answer to shareholders and have, you know, increased profitability this quarter over the same quarter last year. And if they don't, they get in trouble. People lose their jobs and that's what it's become to. And it's kind of probably always been that way. And same with TV, film, car business, banks. I mean, I think it's, I just, I just think that's, that's business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I wish, you know, it's a wonderful life was a true. You know, I wish that was the way it was. <laughs> Somebody comes down and says, Oh, we can make it good. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. But that's, uh, that's not reality. Within the music business, record labels used to be the primary gatekeepers. And now that they're not anymore, and pretty much anyone who wants to publish music can. Right. How would you, like, if someone was a musician trying to figure out what the next step in their career was, when is the time that someone really needs the help of a record label? What is, I guess, the job of a record label at this point in time? Good question. Thank you. And that's, uh, it's hard to answer because it's, it's really relative to that artist's dreams and aspirations and what they want to be. Um, there's one fact that has not gone away. And that's if you want to be known in the music industry as a great artist, if you want people to hear what you have to say, uh, it still takes money. And uh, as independent as you want to be, eventually to reach the largest market, you have to have somebody who can market you and promote you and, and get you on to the best podcasts and uh, blogs and TV shows and just get you seen and all that. Honestly, that's all money. It's what, that's the value of a record label. Uh, maybe you've been recording stuff, but you don't really know how to produce. You can't find the right producer. Well, that's also what a record label does. They find you the best producer, allegedly. They do. And uh, they try. That's their job. Um, and uh, help you, you know, vet your songs. So they'll they'll work with you to say, you know, here's 30 songs and let's just record the, you know, maybe 20 of them and choose the best 10 or 12 and release those either as an album or as EPs or as just tracks over a period of time. That's what a record label's for. Um, so I don't see, I don't think record labels are going anywhere. And by the way, the big labels, like I said, are having record profits. Um, however, they're not, you're right. They're not in control. I mean, they're reacting now instead of being proactive and I'll tell you, using control is the fans. (laughs) The internet didn't level anything for artists. It leveled stuff for fans. Fans get what they want. And, uh, the truth of the matter is a lot of people who are consider themselves big, big music junkies or, you know, like students who would go to a college and take a program like this one, the music business performance plus technology program. Um, they're not like the rest of the people when it comes to music and people have always been the same. I mean, if you look at any media, I mean, I, I was a film student, so I can bitch about music and film and I love video games. So I bitch about games too. Um, I think they still, they go for where the money is and people want to be told what to listen to, what games to play, what shows to see, what movies to see. And I think the majority of people just kind of go with the fad. And I know that's kind of a dark thing coming out of such a wonderful fellow like me, but, uh, I love humanity, but I'm just saying that, uh, and they're not exposed. So yes, any artist can get Ableton, Pro Tools, Cubase, 
Um, you know, you can get an, an iPad and make a great record now, uh, probably on your iPhone or, or your Android phone too. Um, but the truth is you can get an aggregator and get it anywhere you want on every streaming service, but you're there with all that other stuff. And how does anybody ever find you? How do you get on the playlists? Well, that takes time, money, knowledge, effort, all of the above. And as an individual artist, you can't, you just can't do that. So, so that's where label comes in. Yeah. Labels are, I like to see more cooperatives. I, I think artists ought to get together and form cooperatives where they can do this themselves and say, Hey, I can, I can do really cool looking, uh, you know, web pages and websites and do graphics. Um, uh, hey, well, I, I know social media really well. So you do that. I'll do the social media stuff with, for all of us. Another one goes, yeah, I can, I'm really great at booking. I can get us all gigs. I can even get tours going. Okay. Well, you do that. So now you, you get about 10 artists together and each of them has a special talent or there's, and, and maybe one's a great organizer that organizes everything. And then you have a cooperative where everybody's helping everybody. I kind of like that concept and means you're kind of like a record label in a booking agency and all these things, but you do it yourselves. Hmm. Those exist. I'm not, it's not my concept. I mean, it, that's been around forever. I think cooperatives have been around forever. And I just think that's not a bad way to go. But at some point you may need to leave that cooperative. If your dream is to make a lot of money, then you may have to get a lawyer well, you should have a lawyer anyway. Um, that's a whole other discussion, but um, <laughs> but you'll need to find maybe get a manager and uh, find what label would it could be an indie label. Um, find somebody to help you with the rest of it because they have expertise and knowledge that that is hard to come by unless that you do that. And they do have money, some of them. Wow. I honestly don't know very much about existing co-op styled record labels, but that sounds like something that could be a really powerful force if more musicians knew about it and had the, uh, I guess, the courage to start something like that with a group oh, of other musicians that they know. They're popping up everywhere. I think, uh, especially in uh, hip hop, I, I think that's, that is not uncommon. I, th I think there's at least three cooperatives in Austin that I know. Of. I'm trying to think. I can think of three. And there's probably more because I don't know all of them. And they call themselves the crew or the group or the society. You know, they, you can come up with any name for it. But um, it is people helping other people who are on the same path. And I think that's brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah, it definitely gets me very they're excited. Austin, they got to be in New York and Atlanta and Memphis and, you know, I'm sure Berkeley's got them, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. But Seattle, you know, I mean, even Boise. So there's got to be, there's got to be happening other places as well. So would you consider being a part of a co-op of musicians who can help support different parts of music industry call it management that someone may need help with as their audience grows. Is that sort of a middle ground between a individual musician who does everything themselves and a record label who can help take you to that next level of exposure? Yeah. I mean, but some people, it depends on what your goals are to some people that, you know, go, well, if I just join this cooperative, I can make, let's throw a number out there. So, you know, income, after deductions for all this stuff I got to do. So my uh, net income that year that I have to report to the IRS is like say $60,000 or $75,000. I mean, if that's all I want out of life at the moment, then I think you can easily do that with a co Well, nothing's easy, but you can do it with a cooperative. I don't think you need a record label to do that. And even, uh, you know, even in the six figure incomes, I think you don't need a record label. You can probably, uh, using all the assets that would be available to you in a, in a, a cooperative, you could probably do that. Should you want to go beyond that point and you want to, you want to buy a 
new Tesla or something like that, then (laughs) you're going to have to, chances are you're going to either have to have somebody with a whole lot of money helping you as Chance the Rapper did. And and, I'm not taking anything away from Chance the Rapper. I think Chance the Rapper is pretty awesome, but he's an independent who had a lot of help, Mm. financial help. And uh, he wouldn't have made it without that financial help, but uh, he did not go to a major label. I mean, there's a lot of that. Like I say, the hip hop world has been very good in getting their act together and doing things like that. Whereas, you know, you know, the rock and roll guys just sit around and bitch about it. And, <laughs> you know, they, and, you know, I'm a punk rock guy, you know, it's one of my favorite things. So, um, but those guys, they're, you know, they just don't do things like that. They do, but they don't do it in a way that in the same way that, I think the hip hop guys are doing it. Yeah. I think electronic music is also making some forward movements right now and just sort of permeating everything else. So it really sounds like it just comes down to what your goals are financially and your willingness yeah. to support other musicians as you ask them to help support you in a kind of collaborative yeah, I mean, I have, I- I have friends who became attorneys and, you know, they drive big cars and big ha- live in big houses and they make a lot of money. And then I have friends who are attorneys who work for um, people who have little or no money and they try to help them through the, uh, you know, the system when their houses are taken away or um, they have immigration problems or something. And they don't make a lot of money. So it's, it's the same thing in the music business. You choose your path and you, you, know, you understand what the, consequences of your choice are sometimes you go well that's purpose that's all i need and sometimes you go i need more it's no we're no different i think every industry is that way i think every job is that way do you want to be the just a local city council member or do you want to be a state representative and maybe go on to the united states congress and be one of those knuckleheads you know yeah just depends on what you what you want to do absolutely I had one musician I talked to describe himself as a blue collar musician. And to him, that meant that he had gigs four to five nights a week playing in various small venues around the city of Phoenix. He would occasionally tour when he released a new album and he was able to support himself full time as a musician, but he's not famous. He hasn't done an international tour yet. I'm not sure if that's even something he wants to do. Um, but the more I'm talking with musicians and other people involved in the music industry and Considering, you know, as we move forward into this next evolution of the music industry where there are no gatekeepers, where it really is up to you what you want to build, I'm almost wondering if there's sort of a normalizing of being able to be a musician, make money, support yourself, and you don't have to be famous. You don't need to be the next rock star in order to be a valid and successful musician. And I think particularly, at least while I was a child growing up dreaming of what it would be like to be a musician, you know, it's not really normalized as a business in the way that other careers are. It's different. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you don't, everybody has their, their own level of comfort. And I think that's, that's what makes us such a wonderful group of, you know, wonderful species is uh, we're not all the same. And, and I enjoy the diversity and, and that's, that's great. Some people don't enjoy it and I'm sorry for them, but um, yeah, if you don't want to be famous, um, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't try to be. And, you know, again, you can be the kind of doctor that just opens a general practice and, you know, hangs a shingle in some small town and you become a popular with your patients and, people they send to you or you can aspire to become the next great heart surgeon you know that's it's just different everybody's different and unique and like i said before everybody has their own path the only problem i have with uh, your blue collar music friend mm-hmm. is i hope he has plan b because 
one thing I tell kids is rock and roll doesn't last forever for some people, even though you think it does when you're young. Um, then when you start having to, you, you want to have a family or uh, buy a house or drive something other than an old beater, you find that suddenly five nights a week playing bars in, in, in Phoenix or Tucson or whatever isn't, isn't making the money, then what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a big believer in plan B for those folks. Um, I have a student right now who is, uh, I love this kid. I had a long meeting with him last night. I went over a contract with him and, uh, he's, he's part of a cooperative and, uh, he's trying to help one of, one of the folks in that cooperative. And, uh, but he's totally immersed in the music and the music business, but he is also a coder. <laughs> he writes code. <laughs> and that's so he's got plan B in his pocket. So he could probably stop writing code for a while if he wanted to. I think he kind of enjoys it. Um, but it also gives him the freedom. You know, when you write code, you can do that pretty much anywhere. And um, he enjoys it. And when he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have to do it. And he stops doing it for a year. He, as long as he stays up on protocols and all that, he gets to go back and do it and have plan B so where he can keep paying the rent and drive at least a 10-year-old car instead of a 20-year-old car. (laughs) One more thing I do want to kind of hear your thoughts on is I know you really admire the role that social media can play as someone is trying to learn how to do their shameless self-promotion. So with that, you know, there are some things that have more impact than others. If you were to kind of encourage someone to focus on a few key things with social media, do you have specific ideas for that or... um just well, kind of some general <laughs> rules of thumb. <laughs> yeah, I just have general rules on that. So um, what's popular today won't be popular tomorrow. Um, you know, and there's all the bullshit going down now with, you know, <clears throat> collecting our data. And that's sort mm-hmm. of hurting social media right now. Um, I personally despise social media, but that's just because I don't need it. But if I was a musician, I'd have to have it. I still think I have to have it because I would what I do here. But if I was a musician, I'd be making great use of it. Um, first of all, I just want to say, if you don't make great music, if you're a musician, you don't make great music. You're, it doesn't matter how great you are at same self-promotion and manipulating people via social media. Because if your music sucks, your music sucks, period. Or if your music's mediocre, it's mediocre, period. Um, but I would rather say if you really want to get known as an artist or a composer or something like that, just get yourself together and write some great shit. Do not write. Okay. Or what's popular now, write from your heart and your soul using your brain to get it out there and just be write Super great stuff and perform really well. That's really the key. It's not about the promotion. It's about the art itself. Um, but the only way, once you reach that plateau, you still go higher. It's a plateau because that's when you start doing the other things. And then you go to the next plateau, which is hopefully, you know, creating revenue streams from all your good stuff or your great stuff. Um, but having said that social media is a great way to do it. It's the new word of mouth. Word of mouth has always been around since time began. I think that's still a great way to do it. Um, it's tough to do. Because, again, it's really crowded out there and people are fickle and you say one wrong thing and suddenly you're getting flamed by everybody. And so it's really it's a fine line. Um, but, you know, I mean, two years ago, or three years ago, everybody's going to hate Twitter. But I got a tweet and Facebook this. And I just I was already saying, hey, man, your grandma's on Facebook. How cool is that? And uh <laughs> It looks like Instagram and God knows, I mean, there's, there's like 20 new apps out there, you know, for social media, it's getting very diluted. And, and mm-hmm. I just don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's a tough one simply because it's, it's a shifting thing right now. It's, it's just totally chasing. And I think it's going to be in flux for a long time. 
Um, so I, I still say, just don't worry about that. You can get help on that when the time comes. I mean, corporations hire SEO companies now to optimize mm-hmm. search engines. You know I mean? That's a, that's big money in that. And that's my day uh, job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I still say it's about the music. If, you know, if, if your music is crying to be heard, it's that great. Then you probably are going to get it hurt. Somebody's going to hear it and eventually things are going to pop. So I say it's the music first, worry about the other stuff after the music gets to the point where it's, it's that great. Amen to that. If the music isn't good. <laughs> you know, there's an old good. saying that we had in the studio years ago, you can't fix it in the mix. So the performance has to be there. The song has to be great. The performance has to be great. Just no two ways about it. In fact, better than great these days, because there's a lot of great artists out there. And so, you know, (laughs) what can I say? It's, there's a lot of people who make really good music, but they probably ought to have day jobs and still make pretty good music. Because if, if that's what you do, it's what you do. But if you're that musician who does has no idea why you're a musician, it's just like, I don't know. I just am. And man, I love that. That to me is like already I'm thinking, well, then there must be some reason why this person is this way. They must have the potential to make great music. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. Um, but to me, that's that's why a musician is a musician, just because they're driven. They don't know why. It's just who they are. Just like uh, somebody, you know, in sports says, I got to be, I got to be a baseball player or I got to be a, a you know, football player or soccer player or tennis player. Same thing. You're just driven. It's just who you are. Mm. So you just tap into that innate drive to create yeah. your thing. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I was lucky. I found out when I was 19 that what my path was going to be because I happen to be good at helping artists. So it sounds like finding your strengths and being able to really tap into that is critical for musicians at this point. I think it's critical for humanity, but yeah, musicians, (laughs) (laughs) musicians, definitely. Yeah, you got me there. So another thing, so if you want to yeah. get me on my, on my bitch box, um, one of the things that my greatest gripes is everybody loves music, but people, it, it's so ubiquitous in our lives that people are not, are wondering why they have to pay for it. So it has to be some education out there that, um, just cause music is in everything you do, you go to the mall, you go to the grocery store, you go to your dentist's office, there's music everywhere. And so music is so available and it's commoditized every TV commercial, go to the movies before you see the movie that um, you go to to any of the, uh, of the places where you listen to music on the, on on the internet, there's going to be commercials there or at least playlists that are commercializing it. So it's, it's just every, it's ubiquitous in our lives and people don't think they should have to pay for it. And, and especially live, uh, people don't go hear live music anywhere. Go, why should I do that? I can sit back and watch a stream of that. Why should I trouble myself to go to a, a bar or a venue and, and see the music, the musicians perform live when I can just lay back and streaming. And it's like, well, damn. Okay. So what's the, why do you, Ever, do you ever go out to eat? I mean, why do that? And then of course you say, well, I just get Grubhub or somebody like that to deliver the food. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but there's something it's different to sit sitting around in your underwear, eating a great meal. It's not the same as sitting at a restaurant with socially re, uh, interacting with other human beings, <laughs> sharing the shared art is meant to be shared. And I think that that experience of sharing that art is very important. So supporting live musicians and going to shows and uh, is really important. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there's nothing that replaces the feeling of watching a musician on stage and hearing that and witnessing that And actually maybe getting to talk to them after the show. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I believe there's nothing that is as great as sharing an experience that's wonderful like that with others, people you don't even know. There's just, uh, I went to see Tom Morello uh, a, a few weeks ago and 
I'm just saying the audience, he made sure we, we had a shared experience. He's such a great entertainer. He had everybody, not one everybody, as many people as he could get on that stage with him. Um, and then, you know, they sang together and they, they danced with, I mean, it was just an incredible show. He, it was totally an interactive experience. And even if you weren't one of the folks that got on the stage, um, do you felt a part of something larger? something greater than, than just sitting in your freaking chair with your hands folded uh, or watching it on a live stream or something. It's just a different experience and one that more people should enjoy. I can't agree with you more. When you said education about the value of music and the need to pay for it, were you describing educating people who consume music yes i think people have to understand that musicians are have, have <laughs> are not wealthy they don't take drugs and abuse children at any rate greater rates greater than the general population uh that musicians are a part of humanity just like everybody else and people in the music business are and just in, in at large and I think that they have to understand that as you work at your job, they work at their job and it's a viable job and it's contributing to the overall well-being of humanity and they should receive, you know, a salary, if you will, or money or it's revenue, whatever you want to call it for their labors. I mm -hmm. think that's a fair assumption that musicians and music make, they bring joy and and light to a lot of people and uh it's probably cheaper than going to the tanning salon or you know or buying a bunch of cookies every week because that's what makes you happy um, <laughs> i'm just saying I, I, music in general it's it is it if we've commoditized it well, we buy commodities. Why do people think music should not be a commodity that you pay for? Yeah. So those people got to eat just the same as you. Yeah. And so the free tier, you know, free listening. Um, I mean, I just looked at the, at the rates uh, that um, are paid to, to owners of copyrights and, and musicians at all the streaming services. I, I, I got a list of the top 10 and, uh, the difference between number one and number 10 is unbelievable. It literally goes from, you need a few thousand, small, you know, I don't remember what it is exactly, but it's fewer than 10,000 plays to make minimum wage at the best streaming service rate. The lowest, it takes over 2 million. And that's just number 10. And I can tell you, YouTube is number 10. That sounds like an impossible battle. Talk to Google. They own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some words. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just saying. And, and there is value to have your having your music on Google. There's no question about it. It's, uh, uh, I think, something like, I, I read a statistic, something like 94% of all young people listen to a lot of music on Google. And uh, it goes, the definition goes deeper than that. I just don't recall the age group and all that. Um, so obviously Google's a good place to have your music. If you want to get it heard, it's just not a good place to have your music. If you want to get paid for it mm. and that needs to change. I think, uh, can't remember. It was number one. I remember Apple music was number three and Spotify. was like two or three notches below that. And uh, I don't remember the rest of it. Thank you for listening to Musicians Can Thrive. If you'd like to learn more about Jeffrey and his work as a facilitator for musicians of all kinds, I've added some links for you in the show notes. One last thing before I end this episode. If you're a musician with a day job, take a minute to just sit and think about it. Do you take pride in the work you're doing? Do you feel ashamed or self-conscious that you're not making a level of income from your music that you could completely support yourself? What might it feel like if, even if you're a server, 
You work in retail or some other job that doesn't feel glamorous. How could you shift your perspective on it in a way that could energize you and help you become a better musician? Maybe it's as simple as, because of this job, I'm able to buy gear that helps me push my creative limits and put on a great show.